Hello and welcome everybody to the Poker Thieves Podcast. It is September 12th, 2019. This is episode number 27. I am your host, Mike Gentili, along with my co-host, Nick Jones. Today on the podcast... Online poker operators introduce a new wave of improvements to their online poker platforms. We have new information about what will be PokerStars Pennsylvania. Revenue at 888-POKER continues to decline. September online tournament series some 200 million dollars is going to be paid out in prize money over the next two or three weeks across all the major online poker operators something interesting that we saw just ahead of this coming out is uh, um, most of the major online poker operators deploying new client updates um, new uh, improvements mostly to the desktop platforms and in many cases kind of focused on improving the tournament series ahead of these big MTT festivals so what kind of improvements can ha, have we seen from the operators and who's been making those improvements nick yeah so i mean not to get into too too much detail but the, the but perhaps the yeah the one that we expected i think we, we might have talked about it on the podcast we we did content on this a couple of months ago was pokestars um uh, releasing uh, show stacking big blinds which is a feature that we that exists in other operators party poker have had this for a year winamax have had this for a couple of years i believe uh, but it allows you to switch uh, showing your stack rather than chips or in dollars you can show it in terms of the number of big blinds that you've got which you can do at cash game tables as well as tournaments which is particularly useful in in tournaments and sitting goes and uh... That that feature, um, so that's been around at, in other online poker rooms. Is this just poker stars playing catch up? And if so, why why is it taking so long? Yeah, it is. It is to an extent. I think it's one of those features that um, you're never sure whether you know if there, if the operator sees that there's a there's cons to adding this feature. I think from the player's perspective, it's obviously something you want to have. It, it makes it easier in tournaments, obviously, when blind levels go up. You're always doing calculations in the back of your head in terms of you know how many stacks you have got and how many how many big blinds you and your opponents have got when making your decisions. Uh, maybe from the operator's perspective, they feel it's a little bit too um, beneficial to serious and professional players, and it's an option that might be confusing to recreational casual players. But obviously, PokerStars got to the point where they realised that this is kind of you know a required feature. It's something that third-party software has offered for a long time so it kind of levels the playing field in the sense that you don't need to purchase other software um, i'm just reading pokestar's statement when they released this this the information in knowing your stack compared with the current blind levels is such critical importance that forcing people to make a mental calculation sees, seems somewhat redundant when we can make that calculation for them um, so yeah it's definitely something that you know makes a lot of sense is going to be used by a lot of tournament players i think across the spectrum um and yet, in some extent, could have been released five years ago. So, you know, it's obviously nice to see see that they've released it now. Are there any other major operators where this feature hasn't been implemented? 
Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, 888 doesn't have it. Uh, I don't think Unibet has it, though there might have been discussion of adding it. I don't believe MPN has it either. So it, it could definitely be, you know, it, it's not like an you know, ubiquitous feature that you know, Pokestars was really lagging mm. behind. Um, you know, the other interesting aspect, and this kind of touches on, well, maybe we should just discuss briefly some of the other um, upgrades we've seen. So Party Poker did uh, a software upgrade, which, if anything, I think was was the biggest change was to Mac users. They really brought the 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 Mac software kind of up to parity with what was on Windows. I feel I think it lagged behind quite a lot for for many years. So so that is you know much, just a much better piece of software across the board. Uh, they've added a few new features to uh, Windows as well. Again, focused in like improving the tournament display. So there's a new like in the money indicator, like a traffic light in the corner that goes kind of amber when you're getting close to the bubble, and then goes green when the bubble pops, which is kind of cool. I think there's more. Uh, information about like average chip count and average stack size so again useful features for um kind of all all players but i think perhaps more serious players to to get you know have more information at their fingertips so so that was you know a welcome upgrade and i think that that upgrade went smoothly okay so we've got poker stars we've got party poker who else implemented some changes yeah, so we just um, we just wrote about today on Pro actually WPN America's Card Room, the US facing offshore online poker site. They upgraded uh, their platform. Yeah, a big upgrade that's been in the works for a couple of years. That I think was beset with problems when they did uh, roll out a few months ago. I think that has kind of gone live properly now for real money. That's a major platform overhaul. Um, MPN as well pushed out kind of an incremental update but again it's similar to, to what Party Poker did there's lots lots more improvements in terms of information display at the at the table so there's a new like chip stacks bar which shows like the average and the median stack size an interesting unique feature MPN added is they've added target stack information so apparently I'm, I wasn't aware of this at all but the new Poker Satellite Strategy book by Barry Carter and Dara O'Kenny, I think, um, that came out like a year ago. And they apparently, again, I haven't read it, but they created this new property called Target Stack, which is the stack size you should aim to have if you want to make the money. I'm not quite sure what calculation it's based on, um, but this has been adopted into the MPN client, so it will show you your target stack size. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah, kudos to those guys for having an impact on the industry. I wonder if we'll see that uh, implemented at other rooms as well. So, all right, so it sounds like we've had uh, a, I won't call it a minor update, but uh, a feature update over at PokerStars. It sounds like the party poker one has been quite more substantial and you said WPN was a complete overhaul, correct? It, it was, uh, uh, yeah, WPN was a complete overhaul. Yeah, MPN was a uh, kind of incremental update. But certainly the, the common mm. thread between the three dot-com online poker rooms is improving like information display at tournaments. And it's interesting because I think if this was at cash games, I, you, do, you don't really see that kind of investment in... Um, in cash games, it's a, it's it's a place where, if anything, the updates that we've seen has been discouraging either implicitly or explicitly high volume players from playing. So, you know, perhaps most famously, you know, this year is PokerStars reduction on the maximum number of cash game tables you can play at one time. That's directly saying, you know, we don't want people, you know, playing you know extremely high volume on our cash game tables. You just don't see that in tournaments. You know, still in tournaments, liquidity is absolutely the dominant factor online poker operators want high volume players 
um, building these prize pools and we're seeing these features which ultimately help you play a lot of tables at the same time if you if your stack sizes are in big blinds automatically that makes it much easier when you're playing multiple tables if you can see at a glance the average stack size the median stack size the target stack size you know a whole new um, variable that makes it easier playing 12 tables playing 20 tables and quickly switching between mtts and yeah this coming you know ahead of the big september tournament season really goes to show that operators um, you know, want these high volume players at their tables, which is a real difference to what we're seeing in cash games. Yeah, so it, it seems to me that the industry has been uh, moving towards reducing the amount of high volume players, and now we're seeing improvements to the software that are there that will, I, I won't say primarily benefit, but I, I would say benefit high volume players more than perhaps a recreational player. What do you attribute that to? Well, again, I think it's just in cash games, you have this predatory nature of high volume players, um, you know, hunting out weaker players, playing lots of tables, slowing down the action and creating this apparent environment that's, you know, uh, unenjoyable for, for casual players playing fewer tables, where in tournaments, either you don't have that or the benefits of a high liquidity, you know, offset the the, the downsides. And so... You know, people want big guaranteed prize pools. Operators want big guaranteed prize pools and players. They want a lot of players in tables, so they want people playing as many tables as possible. So you just don't get that um, you know, negative uh, per- perception, at least, at tournaments. Yeah, I wonder if it has anything to do with the the amount of money that uh, recreation, recreational players could lose, too. I, it strikes me that their bankroll is more at risk at a cash game table than it might be at, say, a $10, 10-euro buy-in tournament where these tools are implemented for uh, you know the, the higher-volume players. I wonder if that keeping that money on the site has, has played a, a factor in this decision. Oh, yeah. And, you know, tournaments just align with the you know, marketing message of the industry across the board, right? You can wager a small amount, you can win a large amount, you have less money at risk, you know, it creates big stories, big winning moments, uh, and it's just not the same, it's not the same cash games. And so, yeah, I mean, more and more, you know, two thirds of revenue now comes from tournaments at a rough estimate. Um, That might have increased further recently, particularly with the, you know, proliferation of spinning goes and that kind of thing. MTTs in terms of, you know, the top line banner size total guarantees get grows bigger and bigger every year, despite the industry as a whole being, you know, stagnant at best, really, in, in many markets. And so, yeah, we're seeing this increasing shift away. I wonder if we get to the point where operators, um, feel that the the downsides in cash games of of certain types of players applies to tournaments because you know high volume players playing 24 tournaments still slow down the action and particularly these are still full ring tables and in a lot of cases games can get very very slow tournaments can stretch on you know well into you know the early morning eight hour 10 hour sessions and so it's not like they're completely immune to super high volume players but as it stands right now the you know the the rush is still on to attract as many players of any of any type to your tournaments to play your big mtt festivals yeah that's a really good point it it really makes me wonder if perhaps a lot of the spin that we've been hearing or a lot of the message that we've been hearing about trying to speed up games for recreational players was just that spin and perhaps it is more related to 
to keeping the the bankrolls of those recreational players safe or guarded, um, as it were, uh, against the the high volume players that uh, can in a no limit game, you know, uh, wipe out a player's complete bankroll rather quickly. Yeah, of course. I mean, the counterpoint to that is you can, you know, there are still in you know, W Coop there are five figure buying tournaments which allow re-entry. So that's going to be the entire bankroll of many, many people. So you can absolutely spend your entire bankroll in one weekend of playing a mix of you know, KO series events or whatever. So it's yeah, it's not yeah, like it's true. there. But then I guess I guess it's the point that that point of decision of buying into a tournament. You know, n- not many people are going to go. Yeah, let's put all my money on the line. But of course, if you get tilted at a cash game, then things can can run away with you pretty fast. If you're you know doing auto top up on your stack and that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I, this is the thing. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. At some point, this you know every year bigger and better and larger for tournaments has to stop. Um, you know, it has to come to its unless you know the the industry returns to to growth then you know this uh this year over year increase in guarantees has to come to a natural end we're probably a couple of years away from it still because i think numbers are still low w coop could easily be a hundred million dollar guaranteed festival right now and it would clear party poker doesn't cover its guarantees right now but that doesn't seem to stop them increasing it so but at some point like that's it's probably going to come to a natural end and then maybe we'll see operators starting to consider the types of players we're attracting to the tables. But in the meantime, yeah, we're seeing product updates that are helping players play more and more tables um, uh, as, yeah, as September tournament series are in full swing. Over on the U.S. side, We've had some pretty exciting news hitting the wire this week uh, with a sneak peek at Poker Stars in Pennsylvania. We were able to snag some screenshots and uh, decipher some information, uh, some of which we've reported on over on PokerFuse and some of which will be coming in uh, in future articles uh, probably next week uh, to give people uh, some information on what they can expect when Poker Stars eventually does go live uh, in Pennsylvania as what we believe will be the very first online poker room in that state. Tantalizing stuff. Can you top line what did we learn from spying this uh, presumably a, you know, pre-release version of the Poker Stars Pennsylvania client? I'm sure there's a bunch of things that we learned, some interesting, some not so interesting. Um, One of the things that we see in Pennsylvania that's a a little bit different than New Jersey is just the prominence of the branding of the land-based casino partner uh, in the software, something that we, we didn't see as... Uh, as prominent in New Jersey that we are now seeing, for example, with Poker Stars, we do see that Mount Airy is is right up there in the lobby uh, with their logo. Yeah, so that was something that was uh, that's required by the regulations, right? That it's it's the branding of the part, the the local partner is prominent. But something that I think some commentators speculated on was that this wouldn't be branded poker stars at all that it would be like mount airy poker or something like that but that's not the case is it? it's clearly poker stars but just next to that is the mount airy kind of logo clearly poker stars and yeah just uh alongside i guess you might call it co-branded uh with the mount airy logo as well 
and also you know beyond the logo like the client itself you know it looks like the pokestars client right same colors same buttons overall same type of layout as you'd see in new jersey as you see in the uk yeah there's uh there is the appearance at least right now and this could change uh, before it gets to launch but there is the appearance of the pennsylvania state flag in the library in the lobby but it is uh, basically the same client uh that we have seen in new jersey and in the dot-com market for poker stars yes and what else can we glean at all from from the games that might be on offer when when poker does go live in poker stars pennsylvania yeah, so I need to be careful here not to divulge too much information because we do have some additional articles coming out with uh, more information that we've than we've already published over on PokerFuse. But um, if you take a look over at the article, you can see an image of the, the, the lobby with some cash games. So we can see the approximate stakes um, or at the very low level, there is some uh, penny poker uh, that's happening over at the cash games. We can see some of the types of games that are being offered. Uh, so, for example, there are going to be spins, spin and goes. Um, we do not see Zoom poker. So uh, there is no tab for Zoom. That is one of the, the differences between what we see in the dot-com market. But that is, it, it's not too surprising. We also do not have Zoom in New Jersey either. So this is uh, probably a little bit more closely related to the their U.S. neighbor. Um, so th- those are some of the things we see. There are going to be uh, MTTs as expected. Uh, we can also say that the casino, PokerStars Casino, will be integrated into the online poker client itself. Uh, so right there in the lobby, you can choose to play casino games if that's your thing. And uh, the sports betting platform, uh, Foxbet, will also be accessible right there uh, at the main page of the lobby. And that's actually something that I don't think we quite talked about last week on the podcast. I think it might have happened just after was the Foxbet rebrand, which happened um, in New Jersey and launched in Pennsylvania, right? That was that was late last week or early this week. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. My my memory is also running together with days here, so I'm not sure if we did cover that on the podcast. But just as a, a brief refresher, yes, um, BetStars, which was the software, um, the actual sports betting platform in New Jersey, has been rebranded uh, to FoxBet, which is a uh, indicative of the partnership between the Stars Group, which is the Poker Stars parent company, and Fox Sports. Uh, so there's uh, that, that big deal there that happened, um, I believe, earlier this year, uh, has now culminated in the rebranding of BetStars in New Jersey to FoxBet. And that happened just prior to the kickoff of the NFL season. And then... Um, also, prior to the, the kickoff, we did see within a couple of days of the rebranding of BetStars, we saw FoxBet appear in Pennsylvania. So that is technically PokerStars' debut in that state, um, even though it's not with, not with PokerStars in general. And that is live and taking bets from, uh, from punters in Pennsylvania today. So that just beat poker and casino to market for all the Stars group. Correct. Correct. Okay, and and one thing is probably worth stressing, only because I saw some quite a bit of discussion since we published this exclusive on PokerFuse um, 
about this little uh, preview of the client um, is that obviously the when it goes live it will not be sharing liquidity with the New Jersey client we talked about this a lot in the podcast before and it's in our articles but it's always the first question that people ask unfortunately from launch it's not going to be connecting players pools with New Jersey it might be something that comes later on yeah it's it's something that there's a, a lot of a lot of pieces in play there to to make that happen there is first of all uh, Pennsylvania regulator has to give it the green light they have not as of yet um, every comment that they have made on the topic says that you know we can't say when or if this is going to happen uh, we do know that there have been conversations with New Jersey uh, the New Jersey regulator um, did disclose that quite some time ago so these are not new conversations uh, so it's it's definitely on their radar. Uh, however, there's still the pending uh, Department of Justice opinion of the Wire Act that uh, has kind of things in a holding pattern with regard to shared liquidity in the U.S. So there's there's some things that need to be worked out before liquidity is shared across the state lines in Pennsylvania. But I do expect that it will eventually happen. So yeah, that that will not be going live uh, at the beginning. Uh, the other thing that I hear people questioning is when is this going to happen? And you know, uh, initially we were told that the iGaming market in Pennsylvania is going to soft launch the week of July 15th, which technically did happen. It just so happened that poker was not a part of that soft launch. It was just uh, casino games. So the question now remains, when is there going to be online poker in Pennsylvania? And while we have speculated a couple of times, information on that topic is always changing. And uh, if I were to give my best guess now, I would say that it will be within the next 30 days. Um, Maybe that's a bit of a a broad statement, and I'm not going too far out on a limb by saying that, but uh, I, I don't think it will be longer uh, or much longer if it if it is longer than that period. And as far as how soon it can be, uh, I, I mean, I guess we could see something by the end of the month, but uh, that's, that's a pretty narrow range. But in any effect, I would say the, the best answer to go with is within the next 30 days. Oh, there you go. And it's it's interesting to consider that, um, you know, although it won't be shared liquidity, it's still obviously the largest populated state to go, go live with regulated online poker. Um, New Jersey supports three... Well, to almost go line. To, well, yes. But w- when it when it does, it will be. Um, it will have, yes. uh, you know, New Jersey, smaller, supports three networks where they offer you know, decent-sized MTTs, various different cash games, so it's large enough. And when Pokestars launches, when Pokestars entered the New Jersey market, they were last in by a long, long shot and, you know, entered uh, already pretty competitive place with a very high marketing spend from its competition. It's going to be entering on its own um, and could, uh, you know, from from day one, could have a really comprehensive offer despite it being, you know, close liquidity. We're still talking over 10 million uh, people in the state of Pennsylvania, so uh, it still could be pretty exciting launch despite the the restrictions. 
Yeah, and that's that's actually one area that I think Pennsylvania is going to be vastly different from New Jersey. Is as you mentioned, there wasn't really a big first mover advantage to the online poker sites that opened up early in New Jersey. I don't expect that to be the case in Pennsylvania. I think Pen- that PokerStars is going to gain a pretty big advantage by being first in there. I, I also think that part of the reason that they will is because their competition is going to be limited. Yeah, we have three networks in New Jersey. I don't expect that we are going to have three online poker networks in Pennsylvania anytime soon. I can see WSOP.com jumping in and uh, competing with poker stars in the not-too-distant future, but I'd be quite surprised if we see GVC and Party Poker uh, come in anytime soon. We had Tom Waters on the on the podcast not too long ago, and he seemed to be quite indifferent to the U.S. market in general. So, yeah, we might see them, but I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a two horse race for for the foreseeable future in Pennsylvania. So, why, if you know Pennsylvania is a larger potential market, why are we expecting less uptake in online poker? Yeah, it could be lessons learned from New Jersey. So there's three there, mostly because it may not make sense to shut them down while they're up and running. But the initial outlay, the investment in marketing, particularly just to get things up and running, may be looked at as, you know what, hey, that's not worth it. Um, I, I do think that that combined with the uncertainty around the shared liquidity question is probably making it an easy call for GVC to say, hey, you know what, we're going to sit this one out. And and who knows? Uh, They may have looked at what PokerStars did in New Jersey and how they came in and didn't seemingly miss a beat. Maybe they're looking at, hey, let's, let's let the competition take the lumps let them get in early, and then we'll swoop in and we will reap the benefits of the path that they have paved. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Maybe another factor is just the um, the casino side of things is somewhat less attractive in Pennsylvania than in New Jersey. Like I think the slots, uh, the tax on slots is 40, high high yeah, 40s or 50s. And, and so, you know, from the New Jersey perspective, I mean, every month, you know, casino revenue just goes up and up and up, right? Like it's it, it, it's sky high. And I think... And as we talked about on this podcast and written about a lot before, you know, poker is an excellent uh, acquisition channel for customers who then if want to play casino, it's a much higher margin uh, business. They perhaps don't have that um, same business model in Pennsylvania where slots might be uh, unprofitable full stop at that kind of high tax rate if you're paying anything to you know acquire these customers. And so without that kind of support, maybe that is... You know, from Poker's, uh, PokerStars' perspective, Poker First Company still, you know, that's very, very important to gain a foothold kind of at any cost where other operators might be looking and saying like, hey, if we don't think we can make money from the casino side, there's no point, you know, propping up, you know, a poker component. Right. Yeah. If you're looking at poker as simply a customer acquisition tool, then if you're not going to have the end result which would be to convert them over to casino players if you're not going to have casino then why bother with the customer acquisition portion of that formula and as you point out poker stars being a poker first company has uh, there's a lot of benefits for them beyond just cross-selling to the casino side of the business 
Yeah, well, there we have it. Uh, loads of great info going up on pokerviews.com. Um, more to come, so do keep your eyes on that, and we will be following it closely as, as things unfold. <laughs> 888 Holdings released their um, uh, financial results for the first half of 2019, and for an online poker analyst, it was not pretty reading. Um, revenue continues to fall precipitously uh, at... Uh, 888 poker they generated um, just under 25 million in revenue in the first half of the year it's down almost 30 percent on the same period the year before this continues a trend of uh, like double digit declines in revenue uh, at 888 it's basically half what it was two years ago which is pretty shockingly bad for um, a an operator where poker has always historically been a core part of uh what their customers played on and how they generated revenue. Yeah, and so, but they're still one of the the top online poker rooms, correct? Where are they in the top three? Yeah. If if we are to rank operators as like European focused, like mostly white market uh, online poker operators, they are third after PokerStars and Party Poker. Hmm. So yet they're still seeing these struggles. Ooh. I have my opinions on why they may uh, be looking at some of these difficulties. I'm curious, though, to to see what you think on that topic. Why? Why are they seeing these consistently declining revenues from online poker? Well, I'll tell you their official line. Um, and anyway, it's worth okay. stressing that um, compared with, let's say, Party Poker, whose parent company is GVC, you know, it's... Poker may be like 10% of their business. I mean, well, it's it's much smaller than that, being their business has just acquired um, a lot of, uh, like, retail, uh, a large retail component. But, like, so at 888, it used to be, like, 40 or 50% of their revenue. It used to be, like, poker and casino. Um, it is now, I think, it's less than 20% now. Uh, but, but it still gets a fair amount of chat on investors' calls. They still say, you know, this is a core part of how we acquire customers. Um I'm just trying to find the numbers. It's somewhere in the 25 to 30% of their customers still come through poker first um, before, mm. you know, being sold over to, you know, their casino. Casino makes two thirds of their revenue now. And so it always gets a lot of chatter on investments called. There are always slides. There's more slides dedicated to poker on an 88 call than there is on a PokerStars call. Uh, so I was just going to ask, this seems to, going back to our last segment, this seems to be the typical company that's using poker as a customer acquisition channel and who knows maybe declining revenues is not um, a sign of their lack of success in that regard because even though they're bringing them in for poker they can be then quickly converting them to casino or sports and therefore you would see declining revenues in poker but still be have poker looked at as a successful vertical yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. They they do provide other metrics. Um, the revenue, they report the amount of revenue they generate from poker players who have been cross-sold to other products. I'm not quite sure exactly how they oh, calculate okay. that and when somebody's considered a poker player, but that declined 4%. So, yeah, it's still down, but I suppose a bit better. Active poker players declined 11%, which I think is concerning because, again, if, if you're getting them th- acquiring them through poker, they're going to be play- poker players for X amount of time before ultimately, I think... They could, would continue being poker players, but they would play some casino games on the side. That would probably be a pretty common, um, you know, life cycle of that player. So, 
if they are telling investors this is important, I don't think they want to see revenue decline. They're certainly not saying that this is part of the plan. Um, they're saying right. that, I mean, you know, the top line is turning things around. That was their big title. So, yeah, mm. the, the reasons they gave were the same thing that we've seen across the industry, market problems in, and again, they didn't name them, but uh, Slovakia and Norway and Russia will have all caused problems. Netherlands continues to cause problems until that regulates. Sweden costs a lot now to operate in. Um, they also, for the first time, I heard them blame currency fluctuations, which they don't uh, report on in a constant currency for poker because they say that's an unreliable method for some reason, even though everyone else seems to do it. But they're saying that that definitely had an effect, even though they're not saying by how much. Um, and then they talk about how their numbers are quite encouraging in the sense of it didn't decline. Uh, it actually increased revenue from H2 last year into H1 this year. So they said that shows signs of stability in their online poker product. Yeah, I, I found that to be quite interesting. And, and yeah, that so the numbers that you quoted earlier, the relative numbers, uh, for example, um, that what was it down four percent that poker um po- yeah revenue from poker customers cross sold to other verticals uh, cross percent. right so is that down year on year or is that down half on half yeah that's down year over year i think yeah okay yeah and so i getting back to the the last point you raised about the uh h1 versus uh h2 of 2018 i found that very interesting that they would take the seasonality of poker and try and combine that into call it stability, if you will, in their in their revenue numbers. Yeah, it's total nonsense. But I mean, we see this from uh, all public companies when it's you know when it suits them, they'll explain why things decline because of seasonality, and when it you know it it suits them to say something else, they'll say like, "Oh, it's showing stability." Like, uh, I mean, H take their revenues declined from H2 of the prior year into H1. Sorry, it's increased from H2 into H1 like almost every year for the last eight to some eight, ten years, something like that. Um, I think there was one there was one exception. I think that was last year when the revenue was so poorly declined. But normally speaking, like the first half of the year is better than a second half of the year just because more poker players play during that period of time. So it always raises an eyebrow when we see these kinds of numbers, sequential numbers trotted out to represent something but um i mean definitely the decline isn't quite as bad as what we've seen in prior years so maybe we're seeing a bit of slowdown um they point to and so going back to the first segment of this podcast we talked about all the online poker clients that have been upgraded conspicuous in its absence was 888 which has not upgraded their poker software in a while they've been rolling out this poker 8 software client um it started at the beginning of this year now, when we first reported it, it ultimately amounted to a new table skin rather than what they said was like this you know, biggest software product that we've done in however many years, huge upgrade. When we played it, it definitely was an improvement in our experience, but it was more just like a slightly better table design rather than a big upgrade. But this is still something that they focused on in the investors call about you know a big thing that was still coming was this was or is happening now is this rollout of this new poker client which seems incremental to me but uh you know they're definitely putting a lot of chips into that basket to mix my metaphors yeah we we did uh we did an interview over on PokerFuse with Jan of Sherman who's 888's head of commercial development and uh when i asked him about 
what we can expect for Poker 8 coming up. He, he did refer to the, the new improvements they rolled out at their poker, uh, on their poker client as being the table. So, he, you know, he didn't really look at it as the platform. He referred to it back as the table. And it seems yeah. like that's about the extent of what they've improved. And then, and then we have Group CEO saying Poker 8 is probably the biggest product enhancement project that we have in the company at the moment. You know, and and it was wow, yeah, it was really talked up. But to say like maybe this is a term that's described that describes a lot more. They touched on they've got a new portrait mode in mobile that's coming out, and this was kind of under the banner of poker eight. So maybe they're using it as a more holistic term. Um, so these were the main things they focused on. The other big things they said that were coming was more shared liquidity. So they recently launched in Portugal that they said had gone really well. They launched in Italy and they said you know that's grown twenty eight percent year over year, which is close to meaningless being that it launched um 18 months ago right. so it could basically went from there's there are some months at basically zero when you do year over year comparisons so i don't know but they're saying that went really well they confirmed they're going to launch in france which we talked about before we thought was going to happen but they said definitely i think h1 they were going to return to france which is quite interesting um but that was the extent of how they were going to turn the ship around they again committed to remaining the third largest online poker network again using that rather dubious metric of excluding like um gg network or winamax or something like that for various different reasons it's funny if you go back a couple of years they always said we're going to re- stay the second largest online poker network and then party poker spent a bunch of money and improved their product and now it's we're definitely going to be remain the third largest network um throwing it to you mike what do you think they should do to retain the third place position what do you think is missing from the 888 formula yeah i think there's a lot missing from the 888 formula and uh, i think first and foremost is they probably need to uh, revamp their software Uh, there's so much innovation and so much progress in the industry right now in the software and and it just seems like 888 has not been able to capture the headlines, not be, been able to capture the attention of the poker playing community in that regard. Uh, it's interesting, though, their uh, their decline overall as a poker company uh, is quite different than perhaps what their business is doing over on the U.S. side of things. Um, Yes, we're not uh, we're not sure that they're going to be launching in Pennsylvania anytime soon, but they're still the the leading online poker network in the whole of the U.S. So that's a bit different, or gives a, a very different perspective of the company than if you look at them as a whole globally or worldwide. I, I think that um, their strategy might be changing there, though. I, I, uh, in that interview with with Sherman, I, I did ask him about their plans to to become more of a B two B operator instead of the B two C operator, and that is because they are powering the WSOP.com, for example. But um, and when I asked him about Pennsylvania, he did bring up WSOP.com, but didn't bring up the eight 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 poker brand. So I was I was wondering if perhaps they're making that shift, making that transition. Even in Delaware, the the 
The online poker rooms there are not branded 888. They're branded for the racinos that uh, are their land-based partners. So uh, that was on my mind when when I did the interview. But everything that came back, uh, he seemed to indicate that they are going to continue with their their B two C operations, and that uh, the American All American Poker Network (AAPN) um, and the Eight 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 Poker brand will continue to be promoted in the U S. Yeah, I think the 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 American Network is definitely their like shining star thing that they have in their portfolio that no other operator can really get close to. And you know, they said on the call, like in the United States, you know, poker is still king. You know, and they they. I think they wish they could talk about it a lot more, but the um, unpredictability of what could happen with the Wire Act and with other states kind of restricts them about really talking up their opportunity. But they are they are sitting on their with their WSOP partnership with their uh, position uniquely in Nevada and Delaware. They, uh, you know, it could be massive if over the next five years we get. Um, and referencing an interesting industry Twitter thread that was going on the last couple of days. But, you know, if there were 100 million people um, in regulated U.S. states uh, that could play online poker, um, then HTA would be in a uniquely powerful position, I think. Um, But, you know, that's that's a big if. Yeah, it is a big if. And I think... uh, and maybe I'm going out on a limb here by saying this, but I think they've got some things that are propping up their U.S. operations that uh, if those were taken away, they would be in really, really big trouble. And I think one of them is, you know, they've they've benefited from this partnership with WSOP.com. I, I think the WSOP brand is so big that it overcomes any shortcomings they may have uh, in the term in in the way of software so they're they're so big and there's so little competition that software doesn't appear to be a problem Um, but if the market were bigger and if there were a hundred million people that were available to play online poker in the u.s we would have more operators you would see that relatively speaking their software would be lacking far more than we can see it now And I think the other is the shared liquidity. They're in a very unique position because they are the only operator to be able to connect networks currently across state lines. And once that advantage goes away, for example, if uh, Pennsylvania were to join the multi-state compact there and start pooling liquidity with New Jersey, that advantage that they enjoy from shared liquidity would be greatly reduced. And the more states that come online and the more states that join that shared liquidity, the smaller that advantage is going to be. And once that happens, I think then we're going to start seeing people pointing to other aspects of the company, of their software, for example, that are relatively lacking when compared to other online poker operators. Yeah, and I think going back to like the, the international consumer-facing stuff, I think that's been my biggest concern looking at their, all their plans is it's really just playing catch up like poker eight seems to be yeah there, there was a weird line where he was saying like oh we've got this landscape mode in mobile and with things like this we're going to be kind of the example an example to the industry and really that it's i mean i'm not saying that's that that feature is everywhere but these are pretty minor features that are not unique and and not special and are playing catch up and in and in so many ways they are 
you know, look at their online tournament series investment. I mean, XL Eclipse that's running right now, I think it's Eclipse, is like less than $1.5 million guaranteed. Like we're talking, it's, it's the same size as what NPN is doing and UCOP's doing. These are um, second tier networks, like, and not to be not to be disparaging, but they are just they're just in a different class to where HT used to be and where Party Poker and Pokestars and Winamax and Pokestars in Europe and GG Network and IDN all occupy. It's it's almost like HT is accepting its um, second class status, where it really it really shouldn't be there yet. You know, if you were to ask me, you know, what has Unibet done or NPN done, like you could. You could trot off promotions, interesting tournament series, branding, live events, that kind of thing. I mean, with 888, I would struggle to come up with anything in the last nine months. I mean, only the Poker 8 client debuted, and I remember there were some issues. And then I remember them also being resolved and and thinking, like, okay, this is definitely a step in the right direction. But that's been it, right? Like, I recall, like, guarantees going down. I don't recall any interesting new promotions. So I just feel they need to do something. They need to, like find somebody to, to take a direction and try it out like even with pokestars like restricting the number of cash game tables you can play or their all-in cash out feature or things like that they're con- you know uh contentious in some respects but they're trying new things they're doing it because they want to improve the poker product now a lot of players will say that it's the wrong decision or they're not the kind of player that benefits or these kinds of things party poker goes in a different direction but they ban hards that's a conversation 888 is just not part of these conversations anymore um and you know, the last big like product updates, they removed one of their new games. Their Flopper Mania, I think, came and then quietly went. And that was the last update that I recall that they'd had in terms of new game variants. Um, I, I think they added progressive knockouts, which is something that everyone's had for years. I think that happened six months ago. So like, they just need... They need some. They need somebody to be manning the helm and trying something. It, it, it's, it feels to me like they're competing against where the industry was five years ago. Well, that wraps it up for the week. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. As a reminder, please give us a like and a subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Nick is at PokerProJones. I am at SpookyBugs. And we'll see you next week.